But our, our church theme for this year has been, I will restore. And when we experience that the restoration and the, the freedom that comes from living in relationship with God, surely that produces in us a desire to see the people around us also experience that same restoration. And so I want to deal with the question today of how do we move the people around us into God's restoration, into God's salvation? And I think that part of the, the answer to that is looking at our example, the example that we live uh, as Christ-looking people uh, to those around us. And so if you are a follower of Christ living in the 21st century uh, in a post-Christian secular environment and people know that you're a Christian, the reality is that people are watching you. Look to the person next to you and say, people are watching you. They're watching you. All right, don't stuff it up. <laughs> but the fact is there are a lot of bad examples in the world around us. And I believe that the church uh, is entering into a season where we have the opportunity to be uh, living examples of light to people around us in ways that uh, is just going to be countercultural and attractive to them in this generation. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 to 14. And uh, just before I... I read the scripture. Just let me uh, go through the background a little bit. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul, uh, who's really old by this stage, and he's writing to Timothy. Uh, Timothy is a, a young leader. Scholars think that he, he's probably around 35 by this time. Uh, so to young adults, if, if, if you think that 30 is old, uh, just, just be quiet. <laughs> uh, and, and Timothy is of mixed Jewish and uh, Greek heritage. So to all of the mixed kids out there, uh, high fives. That's not me, but my daughter is a mixed kid. And uh, yeah, Timothy is, is in the city of Ephesus and he has been tasked with uh, leading a community of believers there. But it's not an easy gig. You see, in the early church, there's this major transition happening where you've got the first generation church uh, that was led by, by witnesses, by people, first-hand witnesses who had, had seen Jesus, who had met him. And, and suddenly, uh, they're no longer there. And there are these new leaders coming up who, who haven't uh, physically met Jesus. They're, they're too young for that. And so there's this, there's this major uh, moment of upheaval going on. And uh, it's not an easy time. Things like doctrine in the church are becoming really important because there are, are different factions growing and, and they're, they're introducing different controversial ideas. And, and Paul is writing to Timothy saying, hey, you've got to lead through this. It's no exaggeration to say, I think at, at this point in time uh, for Timothy, uh, Paul writing to Timothy that the, the future of the church is at stake. It's a critical moment. Timothy was, was facing the greatest challenge of his life. And I think that he was just in need of a bit of encouragement. He was in need of a reminder that God had called him to be uh, in that place. And that's important to us because God has called us to be where we are today. So let's read uh, from, from verse 11 to 14. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. And do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And I just want to say from the onset that this is not just a youth camp verse, okay? He, yes, Timothy's young and, and it's an exchange between an old guy writing to a young guy. But it's also about how to promote a, a godly lifestyle 
amidst difficult people surrounding, surrounding you. And I think we're all surrounded in some way or another by difficult people in our lives today. Keep your elbows to yourselves, but you know it. <laughs> and I just want to break this down a bit. Let's go verse by verse. Paul says, command and teach these things. And Paul is saying to Timothy, don't shy away from the things that you have been called to do. Don't just think or imagine commanding and teaching them. Go and do it because you've actually been given the, the permission and the authority to do it. And this is a reminder to us that even though God may have called you to do something, it's going to involve a level of commitment. It's going to involve a level of sacrifice on our part. And I think that's what being an example means as well. But I just want to pick up on something here too. Because Paul says, uh, teach these things. And when he's saying teach these things, he's also saying don't teach those other things. Okay. And the main issue that Paul is thought to have been referring to here is a, a philosophy or a, a movement that was popular at the time called asceticism. Asceticism. And it's, it's basically uh, this idea that all physical matter in, in the earth, uh, everything you can see and touch is, is evil. And the only way that you can experience salvation is by, by separating ourselves from the world. Okay? And so you've got these, these uh, false teachers coming into the church and they're saying things like, don't get married, don't have sex, don't eat fine tasting food because otherwise you can't be holy. And i got a problem with that because I actually like those things. <laughs> but Paul saw how these popular cultural ideas uh, had the potential to water down the message. Don't think too far into that, okay? <laughs> Paul, Paul saw how, how these things had the potential to water down the message of the cross and that they were advertising uh, the benefits of, of Christianity while leaving Jesus at the door. And I think we actually see this playing out in our Western society today, which is why this is so important. You know, as Christians, we, we believe in the hope of salvation, but that gets downgraded somehow in our culture today to, to being woke, to having an enlightened attitude, to not, get, uh, not being offended by, by certain things and getting offended by other things. You know, we have this Christian concept of, of hell. It's in the Bible, but it's not very popular to talk about today. But, but in our culture today, hell is, is just uh, being reduced to an outer social darkness where you're, you're cast for having the wrong opinions. We, we see it playing out in our culture today when on, on one hand, people uh, love at the expense of justice. And on the other hand, there's a group that, that pursue justice at the expense of love when Jesus says you can't separate the two. And so Paul sees this and he has to say to Timothy, command and teach these things. He's saying to Timothy, you've got to stand. So let's go to verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I want to focus on what it means to, to set an example. Because we all have role models. We all have people in our lives that we want to emulate that we we look up to but uh, the meaning of the the greek word um that that's used here for example is is crazy and it's gonna it's gonna change your perspective on this it's the word tupos okay it, it's where we get the english word type from but its meaning the meaning of tupos is to shape something by by molding it or by striking it repeatedly to the point that a permanent impression is made on that thing 
So Paul says, set an example. When he says set an example, he means impress yourselves upon others in such a way that they begin to take the same shape as you. They don't just look like you, they are like you. And you know, growing up, I, I had the, the sports stars and the musicians, we all did that we, we, we want to emulate. But the reality is that these people didn't uh, change us profoundly on the inside in a way that, that might happen when we allow our, our character and the raw sensitive parts of who we are to be uh, impressed upon by, by a living example. And so I think that God is calling us not just to be role models that people can, can copy, uh, but in a sense to be supermodels. Living lives of integrity that are so countercultural, uh, so radical today that we actually imprint ourselves into the stories of those around us. And you see, if you want to see people uh, in your lives uh, saved and, and encountered Jesus, we actually need to start with the example of what our life is telling them about Jesus, right? And how it's shaping us to be more like him. And this doesn't just occur passively by, by hoping that people catch on and hoping that they follow us. But it's actively letting our, our speech, our conduct, our faith, our love, our purity leave a permanent mark and impression on someone. And I'm not going to go individually into each of these, these five areas that, that Paul mentions. But just notice that the first two, speech and conduct, they're different to the, the next three in that they relate to, to external behaviors, things that people see. And I think what Paul is saying to Timothy here is, Timothy, what you say and what you do really matters. Okay, You can't just internalize your relationship with God and reduce it to some kind of therapeutic self-help system that makes you feel good, but that other people around you can't actually see or don't even know about. Yes, the gospel takes root on the inside, but it's got to radically transform the outside as well, which is a, it's a challenge. I just want to share a quick story with you. As an undergrad student a few years ago, um, I, I deeply admired one of my political science lecturers at the ANU. Um, you could call it a, maybe an academic crush. Um, but this guy also happened to be a raging atheist, and uh, he loved to make fun of Christians. And I thought I had struck up a good rapport with him, so I thought, I'm going to try and share my faith. And I remember, as I did, he was deeply disappointed in me, and he, he I'm not joking, in a very condescending, term, uh, condescending way, he, he literally said, I didn't think you were that kind of person. And initially, I was a little upset. I thought, God, I'm trying to share my faith. What's happening here? Is this persecution for the gospel? <laughs> Getting a bit carried away. But uh, when I thought about it later, the thing that bugged me was, why did it take him that long to realize that I am that kind of person? You see, if I'm serious about surrendering every part of my life to, to Jesus, my professional life, my social life, my family life, my inner devotional life, then it should be pretty obvious, pretty quick that I am that kind of person. And I think sometimes we're so influenced by what the people around us might think and we're, we're so scared of being made a social outcast that we actually self-censor ourselves. When Paul is saying here to Timothy, set an example and live different. Let your words be filled with encouragement. Let your words be filled with grace. Let them be tender and affectionate, building up people, not, not uh, taking them down, not dressing them down, but let them be so countercultural that they become attractive and make Jesus look attractive in you. Okay. Now, without going into to the, the next three in the list, love, faith, and, and purity, 
All I would say is that these three are the molds or the casts uh, that our faith, uh, that our speech and our conduct are, are set in, that our example is set in. They all go together, okay? But the passage goes on and it's still related to our example. Paul says in verse 13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. And I just want to focus on this word devotion because it means more than just being committed to a task. The, the Greek word, and I'm not going to go into any more Greek words, don't worry, um, but it implies previous preparation in private. And you see, even though Paul was calling Timothy to live an outward life of faith, a, a courageous life in front of all the other believers, it was born out of an inward closeness to God. And I think that we need to capture this, that whatever you are doing, whether that is uh, in a leadership capacity like Timothy, whether it is in the business world, uh, whether it is just leading your family and being part of your family, uh, the energizing force of, of who we are comes out of a personal devotion, a personal closeness to God. And it's a question that uh, we, we sometimes avoid, but I'm asking you today, how is your devotional life? Because your example is connected to who you are when no one else is there, when it's just you and God. Again, connected to, to being a living example is, is verse 14. Paul says, Timothy, don't neglect the gift that you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. In fact, elsewhere in the letter, he says, fan into flame the gift of God because I know you've got it because I was there and prayed for you when you received it. I saw it descend upon you. And you see, when we go to, to live as Christ-like examples in the world, if you try to do that without the help of the Holy Spirit, that's basically like going out to battle without your weapons. Even Jesus knew that. And I think, Looking at this, don't neglect the gift you have. Timothy either couldn't see his gift, didn't know what it was, maybe like some of us here, or he didn't have the confidence to use it like the rest of us. The important thing here is that Paul says to Timothy, work the gift, grow in it, use it. Learn, learn to wield it. It might not seem natural at the beginning. And you know, spiritual gifts are not some, some magical thing that just descends on us in the right time and we don't have to do anything. Yes, the, the Bible says we've got to eagerly desire these gifts, but Paul says right here, practice them. You know, when you practice something, you might not be very good at the beginning, okay? But there's certainly a human responsibility attached to this. It's partnership in divine cooperation with God. Spiritual gifts are God's gift to the church. And if you don't know what they are, I mean, first of all, it's in the Bible. So, so have a look at, at passages like 1 Corinthians uh, uh, around chapters 10 to 12. But the Bible says we should be asking for them. And I don't want you to be weird in, in going out and doing all these, these crazy things, but we need to be transforming people around us. And if we're to do that, we have to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what spiritual gifts are, or uh, what yours may be. Paul actually gives us a formula here, a model. He says, they were given to you by prophecy when the council of elders prayed and laid their hands on you. 
And so if you've got questions, I encourage you, go to someone that you trust who is a bit wiser than you uh, in church and ask, hey, can you pray for me? Or, hey, what do you think? And ask God for these things. And I believe it's going to completely transform uh, the examples that we are to people around us because the Holy Spirit wants to work with us. And so just in, in closing, I hope you see that Timothy's situation is actually a lot closer to home than what you think. In many ways, it's, it's our situation. That in a world so complicated and, and so unforgiving, the examples that we live as believers actually hold incredible power. Earlier, I, I spoke of the Greek word tupos. Remember, to, to strike and to mold and to impress. We, we see this word at play again in, in another passage of Scripture. In John 20, verse 25, Thomas the Apostle declares, Unless I see the mark of the nail in Jesus' hands, unless I see the tupos of the nails in Jesus' hands and the spear in his side, and unless I touch these, I won't believe. And Thomas was, was looking for some kind of an example and an evidence of that example. But I think that in that moment when he saw Jesus, something greater actually appeared. Something greater happened. Thomas saw not just the mark of the, the nail, not just the mark of the spear. He saw on Jesus the mark of salvation. He saw on Jesus the mark of eternal life that was imprinted upon him as the Son of God. Jesus, who was the true Tupos. Jesus, who was the true example of who we are to be, who we were created to be as, as human beings. And the incredible thing is that when we believe in Jesus, Jesus, who is not dead, but who rose from the grave, who is alive, whose spirit is here right now. When we believe in him, something happens. His mold of salvation his, his mold of, rep, uh, of restoration is cast upon us. It's set upon our lives. We receive his tupos. And here's how we do it. In Romans 10 verse 9, the Bible says that if we declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will receive his restoration, that we will receive eternal life that we may be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and have a, a hope of a future in eternity with God where we can be in relationship with Him. And wherever you are, whatever stage of, of life you're in, we have the opportunity now to, to make this a, a real thing in our lives, to, to live with Jesus, to be united to our Creator, the one who loves us, the one who is for us, the one who wants to walk with us and see others in our community transformed as we reflect Him. 